0: From the Madison Metropolitan School District, this is Lead to Liberate, a podcast documenting stories of inspiration, growth, and empowerment across our schools.
1: Hello and welcome to Lead to Liberate. I am Dr. Carlton D. Jenkins, a very proud superintendent here in Madison Metropolitan School District, and I am the host of this podcast today we have an opportunity to have one of our amazing staff members. This is an individual that's already had an impact on our district, and we know that's going to continue to have an impact. Today, you're going to have an opportunity to hear her story, why she chose MMSD, and what she hopes to do in the future. Ms. Tara Tender, how are you? Good. Okay, great. (laughs) We're so glad to have you here today. Can you, first of all, just tell us a little bit in terms of about yourself, why you came to MMSD?
0: Sure. I originally grew up in Black River Falls, Wisconsin. That's the home, that's the headquarters for the Ho Chunk Nation, which Mm. is the tribe that I belong to. And I wanted to say part of the reason why I'm here is because of my own experience growing up in Black River Falls, in Wisconsin, in a small rural town. THAT I DID NOT SEE MYSELF OR MY PEOPLE REFLECTED IN THE SCHOOL. I WOULD FINISH MY WORK, AND I WOULD ASK MY FIFTH GRADE TEACHER, MRS. HAGAN, IF I COULD GO TO THE LIBRARY. AND SHE WOULD SMILE REALLY PROUDLY BECAUSE I WAS THE FIRST ONE DONE AND THAT I WANTED TO READ SOME MORE. So I go to the library and I didn't tell her the real reason why I went there was because I wanted to find out about my tribe and about my people. Mm. Because there was no books in the Mm. school about my people. And I would search the library for books about, at that time we were called the Wisconsin Winnebago and there was no books about wisconsin winnebago and if there was there was they were probably 50 years old and i would only i i would end up going to the um, encyclopedias and look up winnebago or look up indian and by the time i was done with 5th grade i knew pretty well um, about the Cherokee Trail of tears Mm. and all throughout um, my academics from K kindergarten up to 12th grade I did not ever learn about my people or my tribe and I also wanted to mention that when I started school when I started kindergarten I was the first person to attend public school in my family. Yeah, in the 70s, because before that all my older siblings were attending a one room mission Indian Mission School. So that was a big adjustment for our family. And growing up in um, Black River Falls in the 70s, attending public school, I guess would you. It wasn't probably as bad as the 50s civil rights, but but it was. Um, I seen a lot of violence, and it was usually directed towards the Native American males. My brothers, my cousins. So I grew up with that, and and I also. When I did go to college, I got a degree, my undergrad in history because I wanted to to learn more about all of the tribes in Wisconsin. So I'm trying to make a long story as short as I can. But after working for my tribe for 10 years in Indian education, then I, um, I ended up moving to Alaska with my husband. We had a, a baby by then, and I ended up going to get my um, teaching license in Alaska. And I was really fortunate because Alaska has a very supportive um, higher education system regarding indigenous education. and. And they also have a requirement that every, every teacher takes at least three courses that are related to American Indian or Alaska Native. And when I finished that one-year program, then I went to New Mexico to be a teacher in a, in a classroom in Gallup, New Mexico. Where my students were, 100, were ninety nine percent Navajo speaking. And that really um, enriched my life. So after that, I became I decided to come back here to Madison to go to college and get my master's in curriculum instruction. I also decided to get become a reading teacher and a reading specialist. So after I completed my Madison um, academics, I got a job at my hometown in Black River Falls where I served as an interventionist for four years for, for elementary students. But I decided I needed to change, so I applied here at MMSD, partly because I needed a change, but also because my children live here in Madison, and my grandchildren. And I've always felt a special connection to this land that we, the Ho-Chunk people, call Daejo. Daejo. Yeah, Daejo it means four lakes mm-hmm. in our language.
1: Yeah. Today... We have Mrs. Terrell Tindall. And we're going to talk about what are our opportunities and what are some of our challenges. First of all, I want to start off and thank uh, Marina Fox and Isha Saeed, Mm -hmm. because they were two students pretty much like Ms. Tindall going to school in the 70s. They're going to school now right here in MMSD. And those two students said last year that we don't see ourselves in the curriculum, we don't see ourselves on the walls, we don't see ourselves in the communities. It's, it's if though, Dr. Jenkins, we don't exist. Wow, and that started some real conversation in our community as we try to lift the voices of our students and make everyone feel belong as a part of our core values. So Ms. Tender took part in us doing a land acknowledgement here in Madison Metropolitan School District. Every school will have a plaque. We talk about day jail. We are all learning. Colonization is real. A process of erasing our indigenous people from this land today, the land that we're on, the whole chunk land, whole chunk. We're all indebted and acknowledge where we are, and we start off many of our activities by acknowledging that. Can you talk about that a little bit, the land acknowledgement, and what did that mean to you, uh, knowing that you too a whole chunk? Uh, and I'm glad that you went to New Mexico, get a chance to meet the Navajo. You mentioned a minute about you know uh, Cherokee uh you know, as well. Tears you know, Trail of Tears, but just just talk. It's your it's your mic, you on the podcast, your show.
0: So I wanted to talk about the indigenous invisibility that Marina Foxbaker and Issa Saiz talked about. That that they, they felt like me in the seventies did not see themselves or learn about themselves or their people in the curriculum. But there's also the flip side about indigenous invisibility, and that is wanting to be invisible. Because when you are noticed and you're often the only Native American in the school, then you get spotlighted as being the expert on everything Native. I also wanted to share about the status um, called urban natives. Urban natives are—is a term that's fairly new, and it's in comparison or contrast to reservation natives. So reservation natives are the ones who grew up on the reservation, and there's certain Images or ideas that one has about reservation Indians They're um, all the negative stereotypes that you might have about natives Unemployed and But I also wanted to share that Reservation Natives and urban natives share a common history Mm -hmm. the common history is that they've experienced intergenerational historical trauma of families experiencing relocation, foster home placement, and out-of-tribe adoption, as well as the same trauma as reservation Indians, such as the boarding schools. The boarding schools took place from about the 1880s up to maybe 20 years ago, where the children were taken away and placed in residential boarding schools far away across the country most often, and sometimes these children did not come home. Last year, there was a large um, large movement to recognize all the children that all lives matter, that brown lives matter because of our children that did not ever come home from the boarding schools. They were finding their bodies on the grounds of the Indian Reservation boarding schools or the boarding schools.
1: Did you say? 20 years ago or 200 years ago?
0: 20 years ago. Wow. Mm -hmm. So our um, urban natives, some of them are not aware of their own history. Even Mm -hmm. our reservation native students are not aware of their own history, Mm -hmm. like I was. So when we did that land acknowledgement, to me, I felt a sense of connection. Mm -hmm. I felt a sense of renewal. Mm -hmm. And I felt a sense of healing. Mm. I felt like my ancestors were there. Mm. All of the ones who, who fought off, who fought to protect the land and to protect their families. I felt that their spirits were there and that they were giving us all a boost, and it was very emotional for me, because this is Ho-Chunk Land. Mm. So it really, it means a lot, and I want to thank you for that, and thank the school board and all of the community who supported that work. And I'm really glad to be here because I feel like the work is continuing. The work is going on, including the work that I've been doing on um, creating Native American lessons for K through five social studies. And I also created a uh um, teacher, Native American teacher readiness module Mm -hmm. that all teachers would take when they started school this year.
1: What about the anti-racist work that you've also created uh, that I was just made aware of? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? We have a few minutes here, but I wanted everyone to hear this as well.
0: Yes, I, with the help of CNI staff, I did create a, I actually created two teacher modules. Mm-hmm. One is a book study, and then the other one is the anti-racist module you're talking about. Right. So I give um, the teachers a pretty good uh, knowledge base to go from on how to teach about American Indians and do's and don'ts and for example, um, I suggest do not use stereotypes in the classroom. Do not use um, Native American mascots and, and certain phrases that might be offensive to a native student. I encourage teachers to be, become knowledgeable about the 12 tribes of Wisconsin and about, Act 31, which is a state mandate that Mm -hmm. each public school in Wisconsin would offer learning opportunities about American Indian and Wisconsin tribes, twice in elementary and once in high school.
1: Wow, that's so appreciative uh, that you have focused and you haven't just focused by yourself. You have your colleagues, Mm -hmm. as you acknowledge, in CNI. And and as a district, we are taking Act 31 very serious, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To do the exposure twice, uh, as we're talking about early on, and then once in high school, that's a minimum. We owe so much to Ho-Chunk. We owe so much to you as one of our leaders, and you're doing wonderful things in our district. You are having an impact. The elders, when they came out for the land acknowledgement, That was powerful. The room, you had to be in it to fill it, but there was a spirit and there was a togetherness and you all are leading the way in our district and just know uh, our board, our community, our students and our staff, we're very proud to say the relationship that we have and we're looking forward to you doing bigger things in our district as you continue your journey uh, to become an administrator in MMSD and that will happen, okay? So best of luck to you. Thank you for listening in today. You heard it from one of our very own, Terry Tim.
0: You're listening to Lead to Liberate, a podcast by the Madison Metropolitan School District demonstrating how the more we know, the more we grow.